Hello and welcome back to Restore Planet Podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. So today I'm joined by a very special guest out in Tanzania, Shane Hodges, who is a safari guide. He's going to tell us a little bit about today about the work that he's involved with and the things that he does and sees on a daily basis. So welcome, Shane. Uh, thank you for your time. And we start by telling us a little bit about your background and then how you got into doing the work that you do. Hi, Jack. Um, thank you for having me on your, your show. I really appreciate it. It's my first time doing something like this, but yeah, uh, it's always good to get out of the comfort zone once in a while. But basically, I am from Zimbabwe, uh, born and raised. I have been a safari guide for just going over 16 years now. Uh, being in Zimbabwe with a lot of farmland, my family did have a farm which I spent a lot of time on. So I grew up basically in the wilderness. You're yeah, playing out in the bush, tracking animals, uh, <laughs> identifying birds, getting chased by bush pigs out of the sugarcane fields. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a interesting childhood growing up. And yeah, when I became of age. I knew what I wanted to do and I just got my passion in being outdoors and yeah, here we are today. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the, the wildlife that people could find and see in Tanzania. So Tanzania, I'm in Serengeti National Park at the moment, uh, which is home to the Great Wildebeest Migration. And the Great Wildebeest Migration comprises of just over 2 million animals, wildebeest, uh, the plain zebra, as well as stuff like eland and your gazelles. And then obviously with such a large concentration of herbivores, brings about a large concentration of lots of hyenas. Uh, being open plains, Serengeti means open plains as well. There are a lot, a lot of cheetahs, leopards. Yeah, there's... The, the wildlife here is unbelievable. There's just so many and it's so diverse. Even the, the habitat, the change of the habitat as you drive through the park, it is amazing. Beautiful. And tell us exactly, how do you find and track animals for your safaris? Oof, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Well, first of all, it's always important as a safari guide to know an area very well. And once you know an area very well, you start to learn the animal's movements. And in learning the animal's movements, you basically will learn their territories. So, for example, just say for example, uh, lions. If guests want to see lions that have arrived, like to say this time, which is now... Uh, six o'clock in the evening, my time here in Tanzania. Because uh, we don't do night drives here in Serengeti National Park. But so when guests arrive today and they want to see lions, I will spend the night basically listening out for lion calls to kind of get a direction of where they are. And then early morning, we'll wake up, have breakfast. And if the lions are still calling like five o'clock in the morning, it's a bit easier because then it's just a short time frame that they've been calling and then you'll get a heading on which direction to go. 
But in saying that, you could go to that direction because lions do walk a large, large area and pretty quickly. So yeah, you'll go to an area where you normally see lions. Um, you pick up tracks on the road and you follow these tracks. And cats are lazy animals, so they will walk on the road. But at certain times of the year, it's a bit easier because you'll know in a certain place there might be a little thicket where obviously it's shade and they need to escape the heat of the day. So you can do like a loop on one road going towards that area. And then once you get there, if there's nothing there, then you decipher the tracks again on the ground, which is pretty fun and interesting. It's frustrating sometimes, but very, very interesting. And then, yeah, you just work on certain aspects like that. And how might it work for a more challenging animal? Um, I beg your pardon, sorry, I didn't catch you there. Yeah, so how, how might you track a more challenging animal, like perhaps like a leopard or something that really is quite difficult to find? Or is it really just a, a case of chance? Yeah, so I always tell people a safari is about 90% luck and 10% skill. The 10% skill comes from your safari guide. Like I mentioned earlier, knowing an area, knowing animals' movements, um, knowing the habitat of said animals. But yeah, that's 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 basically how I see a safari. And from my experience, that's basically how I've done my safaris. And, and when you go out, did you go out on a sort of big... Um... So what you quite call it, like a big protective like combi type thing, or is it just like a jeep? Or so what I'm thinking sorry. is how uh, how much? Sorry, this is a very like city dweller question, but how much protection is there between sort of the uh, yourselves and the the wildlife? So different companies have got different type uh, safari vehicles. A roof that pops open. So guests are able to stand up and take pictures. The safari vehicle that I am used to and the one that I use here now is just your normal standard 4x4 Land Cruiser with uh, guest seats at the back. So the sides are open, but the guest seats are elevated. Um, so there is protection and there is no protection, um, so to speak. But I'm a firm believer when you come across any animals, how you approach animals determines their reaction towards you. So if you're going to go into an animal sighting, guns blazing, one of two things is going to happen. The animal is going to run away quickly or it is going to react and charge the vehicle. Um, obviously, lions will mock charge the vehicle. There'll be a lot of growling which I don't like to create those situations because I feel like we are in these animals' territory. So the more respect we give them, the better our experience on the sighting will be. Amazing. And how do you um, determine sort of certain animals' behaviours? How do you figure out if it's in a bit of a bad mood or perhaps there's... Um a mother elephant with like a baby nearby how do you sort of what are some of those small indicators that show you how species might react um there's a variety of indicators signs that we use um obviously each animal is different um elephants with elephants 
I personally do not like going anywhere near breeding herds, which comprise of females and young ones, because any mother with a baby is quite... But sometimes you find situations where you you can't avoid it, and the best thing to do is just switch off the vehicle and give that animal time to cross, because with breeding herds, when you approach them, they will... Uh, 90% of the time always react because obviously the young ones, the calves and also predators around, so they will react. And from my experience, switching off the vehicle so that there's no noise and telling everyone to keep quiet and letting the animals relax, settle down and go about their way and move at their own pace, I find is the best to in those kind of situations. Because if you rush it, things can go a bit um, hairy. That's with elephants. Um, with leopard, uh, leopard, it's pretty straightforward with leopard. That's that's pretty straightforward to read because they will either stay and let you view them or they will run away. Um, again, how you approach the sighting determines how they react. And most of the time... You kind of find them in trees, obviously, depending on which country or national park you go to. But then again, even when a leopard is in a tree, you just have to be careful how you approach the tree. But they'll give you a bit of a warning sign, like a little growl to let you know that, hey, guy, you're coming a bit too close or I don't like what you're doing, etc. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty straightforward. Same thing with lions um, in a vehicle. It's exactly the same like how you would approach with leopards. On foot, it's a different story. But in saying, which is a very deep growl. Sorry, Shane, we lost uh, you for a second there with the, the uh, yeah. connection. Would you mind just repeating that about leopards, the behavior? Um, yeah, leopards' behavior is, is, is pretty straightforward. Um, they will either let you view them or they won't. <laughs> But yeah, if you are getting too close, they'll give you a bit of a growl just to let you know that hey, you're coming too close or they're not liking what you're doing. Um, lions, it's pretty much the same. Um, on the vehicle, they will give you warning signs, but lions are sleeping most of the time. And a lot of lions in certain areas are habituated with vehicles, so they don't really react. Uh, although on foot... It is, it is a different story on foot. But the nice thing with lions on foot is that they will always give you a warning sign. About 99% of the time, they will give you a warning sign, which is a very deep growl, just to let you know that you are getting too close. And if you proceed to irritate them, they will go into the flee or fight response. Um, so again, self-explanatory, either run away or charge. Um, if you're walking in certain areas that are relatively thick or have thick bushes and just say a lioness comes boiling out of the bush without giving you a warning, nine times out of ten, it's a female with cubs. Uh, because uh, female lionesses go into very thick areas bushes to give birth uh, so that her cubs can be quite protected from 
uh, or if a male lion comes boiling out of the bush without giving you a warning, or a female, uh, female nine times out of ten, it's a cub. A male nine times out of ten, it's an old, old animal that is no longer with the pride and just is basically too weak to do anything and just feels threatened. But you just stand your ground, shot. It is quite scary, but they will they will <laughs> run away. That brings me on nicely to the next question. Tell us about some close calls that you've had. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I've 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 had a few close calls because I am a, a canoe guide as well. Right. Yeah, and I used to canoe down the Zambezi River, and I have been attacked by hippo in a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? How did uh, that go? Uh, pretty well. Um, luckily, no one was hurt except for the canoe. But yeah, I managed to get everyone to safety. Uh, we were completely in the right. We just stumbled across a hippo that was wounded and in a fight. And hippos are creatures of habit. So when you're canoeing down a channel or a river you will find that they always are in the same place. Um, they are very, very territorial inside the water. So when you're going down a deep paddle or a gentle tap of the canoe will generate sound in the water and they will pop up, make themselves known. And then they will go into deeper water from being in the shallow. And then you basically just go through the shallow and give them space in the water. And yeah, they go. But on this particular occasion, <coughs> yeah, this hippo was wounded quite badly from being in a fight with another bull. And yeah, he just wasn't having his nonsense today. And just because I've done it so many times, I reacted the way a guide should react. And yeah, I basically yeah made sure no one was hurt. Great. Um, tell us about some of your most treasured experiences. Hopefully, a little less uh, violent than that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, Jack, I've had so many encounters, special moments with various animals: elephants, buffalo, lion, leopard, cheetah, wild dogs. Um. Yeah, even small little things like Impala, Kudu, Eland. I've had so many experiences. So off the top of my head, I can't really say I've got the most favorite one. But the best thing for me on safari is seeing the look on people's faces when we find all these animals and experience these encounters. That to me is priceless because... Uh, at the end of the day, going to bed, knowing that I made someone's trip spectacular, especially people that have, it's their first time to Africa on safari. I think that for me is, is yeah, that's everything to me. Speaking more widely, um, what is the sort of overall situation of conservation in, in Tanzania? Are things looking up? Are things heading in a positive direction? What's the overall uh, state of things? Yes, they are. Um, to be honest with you, I can't really answer that question just yet. Maybe a few months. Sorry, Shane, we lost you again. You said you can't. You can't quite answer the question yet. 
Yes, I can't quite answer the question yet because I've only been in Tanzania for two months. Oh, okay. Um, so I am still learning and getting help from my fellow colleagues uh, about the area and the country and how national parks look. But from what I've picked up, it is it is picking up pretty good. It is it is it is good. There's a lot of organizations that that help. With certain things, there's a carnivore project where they track lions and see the movement of lions, um, elephants as well. There's elephants that have been collared just to see where they go, how they do. There is a lot of um, human-wildlife conflict between the Maasai people bringing their cattle into, into the park to graze, which is obviously competition for the animals. And inside the park, in some areas, there's tsetse flies, which cause nagana in livestock. So it affects the cattle, the Maasai cattle. Yeah, so there, there's there's a lot of stuff that I still need to get my head around. But yeah, conservation-wise, uh, Tanzania is doing a good job with it. Fantastic. And uh, slightly selfish Selfish question now, um, as for some of our younger members of the audience, what is some advice you would give for anyone who would like to get into and do what you do? Some advice? <clears throat> Someone that's getting into the industry to become a safari guide? I would say <clears throat> don't give up. There is so much to learn. Because obviously, as a guide, you have to have a broad knowledge on pretty much all the fauna and flora, as well as fauna and flora out of Africa. Um, we have to know geology, astronomy, uh, a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things. And I've found over the years, a lot of people uh, get disheartened by how much they have to learn. And yeah, people give up. And also, I would also advise getting attached to a safari outfitter. So basically get a job um, in a lodge uh, and become a trainee guide and just get as much field experience as you can and learn from the senior guides. Fantastic. And finally, where can people follow um, your work and see some of your fantastic photography that you also uh, do? Yeah, so um, I've got an Instagram page, which is Hodges Shane Photography. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, which is either Shane Untamed or Shane Hodges. Sorry, I can't remember. I haven't posted in a while. I've just been so busy at the moment trying to get camp sorted. Um, yeah, but those are my two main platforms that I try and showcase my work and share the beauty that this continent has to offer fantastic shane thank you so much for your time you're very welcome jack thank you for having me